this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. So the Zoom story. So I'm. This is. I got this from like a two paragraph thing that I read, but apparently Zoom was doing something that pissed Apple off. They were in order for the links. I, I think they said in order for the links to work, and I think they're referring to the links that start meetings, like the ones that I send you. Mm-hmm. That the Zoom app was installing a separate uh, internet s- secret internet browser on people's computers. Whoa. And that pissed Apple off because <laughs> they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. So Apple pushed out an update that made their shit not work. Basically. And so they had that's why there's an update to the Zoom app because they're like, oh crap, we got caught. I mean how did, <sighs> that's that's that almost makes me not want to use Zoom. Do you have any idea who the parent company for Zoom is? But I mean it's not any worse than Spotify and you still like using Spotify. Yeah, that's true. So, what was the question? Who's the parent company? Yeah, who's the parent company? I Wasn't think, a, isn't it Microsoft? No, I think they, they're independent. I think they're just Zoom. Hmm. I could be wrong, but... Let's oh, let, me, let me turn that off. Hold on. Bells and whistles. Bellsing. Yeah, new Mac. I haven't like shut off anything or changed anything yet, but it's the new MacBook with the USB-C only. So, I had to like wait and get an adapter. Um, oh, test you have the one I have, basically. Yeah, I mean, I love this thing. Don't get me wrong, but the lack of ports is really annoying. So Hopefully, yours is better than mine. Mine is not, nothing but a fucking headache. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obnoxious. I got a, a pretty cool adapter though that incorporates a bunch of stuff that I really like, and it matches the color of the MacBook. So I I, I feel like a spy. <laughs> uh, Zooms from San Jose. How about oh, that? Huh? No I way. Think I knew that. Somebody told me that. I can't remember who told me that. That's kind of cool. I think it might have been. Uh, Daniel Doyen from Readwise when I had him on the show. I think he might have told me that. Either that or... Yeah. Anyway. Dude, I, I so need a, a boom. This is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. You you didn't use the laugh that I used it. Now you understand. Yeah, I totally under, I totally get it now. Yeah, having hands-free recording is the best thing ever. Uh, now if I could just figure out how to like talk into the air, that'd be or, even better. Because I, I love marching. Have a boom, that's what it feels like, man. You just put... Instead of... Some people make the mistake to put the boom in front of them so they're looking at the boom. Mine's off to the side. Like technically, my mic is pointed at the side of my mouth. Mm. So when I look forward, I don't see the microphone. Interesting. Here, I'll take a picture. Yeah, I'd like to see that set up. Uh, Taking a... This is, the, I think, the second episode in a row where I took a picture... In the middle of an episode. Yeah, last time was a dog. Let's see. Oh, that's that's going to be difficult to see. You ever think you were born in the wrong era? Mm, yes, most days. Mm. I mean, granted, I like technology and all that, but oh, that is like the worst picture. <laughs> Let's get some light in here. Uh, all right. Maybe I was born in the right era. I just. I don't know. I, I get the sense that when people say stuff like that, like in my case, for example, I feel like I was I, I was definitely born in the right era, but not for me. 
I was built in the right era for me to affect the world, <laughs> but not for my own pleasure. So, well, I would say that you were born in the right area, in era, considering you're an Asian American, because it would have sucked ass to be an Asian American at pretty much any other time in history. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Um, me being a uh, white straight male, pretty much most of history is open and free for me. Pretty good for you, yeah. Sure. Um, granted, it depends on the country, of course. Yeah, sure. But, uh, I don't. I, I think like I feel like I was born just like maybe a decade or two late. Like I feel like I should have been an adult in the seventies and eighties. Instead of being born then and growing up then. So, so tell me why you think that. There was just enough technology to be interesting. It's kind of like I'm, I've been watching the, the newest season of Stranger Things, which mm-hmm. is, I'm on the, I'm, tonight I watched the last, final episode. Mm, and I, st- I still haven't seen any of this season yet. It's fantastic. It's, 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 I can't say it's been a long time since I watched the first one. I liked the second one, but this one's better than the second one. Yeah, a lot of people I know who watch, who watch the show religiously have told me that like this has been the best season so far, and that's saying something. This one is definitely the most horror. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a horror show. But the thing, the why why I bring up that show though is the first season to now. If people have uh, probably haven't paid attention to this, I didn't pay attention to this because I was wrapped up in like the nostalgia of the show. But I believe it was the guys on Weird Studies that pointed this out. They did an episode. I think it was two episodes ago. I'll put it in the show notes. I think it was called the, uh, the Demogorgon. I think that's what they called the episode. And they, they discussed... One of the guys had written a paper about Stranger Things after season two. Mm-hmm. And what they talk about in that episode is technology and how you, you're watching the development of technology in that show. There's like In the first season, there's literally like no devices except for those little walkie-talkies. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you see a television in the first season. And then the second season, here's the arcade. And now in this one, it's the mall. My leg is already starting to fall asleep and it's only five minutes in. So I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to maneuver this as we continue talking so that my leg isn't completely dead by the time we're done. That's funny that you should say that because when I was recording the episode with Julie, which came out today that we're recording, but three days ago for everybody listening... We were talking about how you used to put the microphone in weird places so that you had to like lean forward the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why you did that to yourself. But it's basically a self-immolation. You know, like the same reason that I don't just say, hey, I'll be right back. I have to be right now in the middle of an episode. And I just hold it for two hours. Yeah. And I feel like with you too, like there are times where that happens really early in the episode and you're holding it literally for two hours. Yeah, you can tell probably by the urgency of some of my comments. <laughs> yeah, and or by the time we're done, you're like, okay, gotta go, bye. Or I say, pee-pee, gotta go pee-pee. Yeah, that was still one of the strangest moments ever. <laughs> it's like your brain just took over. Like the subconscious physical, like your medulla oblongata said, you know what, we're running the show for a few minutes. I go pee, Chad. I wonder what with the dog on my lap, what we will say. Oh, man. Come out of my mouth. <laughs> Ugh. Well, I mean, it's it's entertaining for the like for at, at the very least, it's entertaining for me. So yeah, there's that's that. All that matters. Yeah, exactly. If I can keep you entertained for two hours. I can at least keep some audience members entertained. Yeah, I'm gonna open up the Instagram real quick. Right, can you believe that file's still saving? By the way, that's unbelievable. How big is the file? It's oh, uh, it's like six or seven gigs. Every oh, Jesus, every episode of the show is like six or seven gigs. Ugh, really? I had no idea they were that large. I mean, what what? I'm I'm sure well, no one cares about this other than us. But what sample rate are well, you saying? Shit, it's our show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's it's part of it is the length. So you uh, have an audio file. You know, like Logic Pro projects aren't usually two to three hours long. They're usually five to ten minutes long. Sure. You've got multiple tracks, which is doesn't really add too much. But you know, you have multiple long tracks. But then we have. Uh, let's see. Let me, oh, I can't do it while it's saving. But I have like six effects on every. You know, like I have a, a declicker so that you know when our voices go click click, if our yeah. mouth is getting dry or something, it cuts that out. Mm-hmm. Noise reduction for the background, uh, a leveler. Um, okay, so that makes more sense because you're running filters while you're saving, so it's processing and saving at the same time. Yeah. So okay, it, that it, makes sense. It takes like twenty minutes to save a file. Sometimes yep. more, depending. 
and this this was well, that's, that's a one forty eight. That's a little bit short, actually. So it's a shorter episode. This is, I'm saving the Julie file. So uh, glad that went well. By the way, I was worried about that one. Oh, it's so much fun. She's so much fun. Yep. Well, what's what's weird about these? What I have to do because, like most people, I don't have the money to buy the maxed out laptop with you know like a terabyte of storage in it or two terabytes. I get the like medium level of storage. Well, all these, like I said, these are like five to five to eight gig files for every mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, I wouldn't have a hard drive anymore, so I have to move them to an external. Jeez. But to do that, first I have to move a folder over into the the external drive for the episode, drop in the the raw audio files. Mm-hmm. But then I have to save. That's another reason it takes longer because it's saving to an external as opposed mm-hmm. to the home drive. Gotcha. Yeah, that at least quadruples the time because you now you're at the limit of USB. Yeah, because like if I rate. if I saved that to my desktop, the Logic profile, and then moved it over, it would take like three times as long. Sure. Because it's going to save, and then it's going to take the time for the transfer. So it's easier to save it right to the external. But like you said, limits of USB. Yep. And it's USB C, but still, it's not Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. Oh, even Thunderbolt probably would take this long. Actually, I think it is Thunderbolt technically. Yeah, Thunderbolt's pretty quick, but yeah, I mean, you're you're just it's just plus on top of that, it's a seven gig file, dude. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's not just the transfer rate too. You know, it's that yeah, 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 right. Because it's it's when you save this in Logic, it's got three levels. So there's the top one saving, the next one copying audio file, and mm-hmm. then underneath that, it's copying all of the the effects for each audio file. So every time I cut, you know, like if there's a <laughs> And I cut out a cough, mm-hmm. and that splits a track into two. That's a new audio file. Cut out a cough. I don't cut know. Cut out a cough. Cut out a cough. You know, it almost sounds like you're at the dentist. Yeah, or or sound like a old dude from New York. Ah, oh, you just cut out the cough. It's fine. Speaking of um, coming to America, who's coming out? And I'm very excited about that. That's so strange to me, but uh, you know, it seems like there's a lot of money in remaking things right now. We're bringing old things back. At the very least, though, I respect Eddie Murphy for taking as long as he did to even consider doing the second one. So I don't there's know if that. that's happened, though. I feel like he was like, I'm done with that. And then money was the lure. Sure. Well, it's like that Denzel Washington thing, right? Like he said, he'd never do a sequel. And he did one for uh, the Equalizer because the money was right. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to it, most people put in those situations will probably pick to do something like that. Like how much of a compromise is this? Ah, not that much of one. Well, I, I, I bet though in certain cases, like the case of Denzel or Eddie Murphy, those guys are stinking rich. So sure. The money's a lure there too, but the project had to be right. Well, I I think the money is a lure because um, even though they're stinking rich, you know, like uh, I I don't remember who the interview was with this long time ago. Mm -hmm. Somebody's talking about like, uh, as you make more money, your lifestyle grows with it. Oh, sure. So, you know, like, uh, we'll say that you and I have, well, you and I are probably rare exceptions because we're both <laughs> struggling right now, but we'll, we'll say at our good time, we have 20% disposable income. Mm-hmm. I would venture that people that are totally loaded, like Denzel, have 20% expendable income because 80% of it is going to pay for the really expensive house here, the really expensive house there, the sales tax, the agent, you know, the the car, the travel. So they're spending just as much percentage-wise as we are. Yeah, it's funny you say that. The the hardest part is actually going backwards. Um, you know, because when I was working in tech um, and I was doing that kind of stuff, like I was making significantly more money. Um, I, I would say more than double what I'm making now. So my lifestyle was very different. And then having to adjust backwards, um, you know, because I, at, at one point I, I made a choice to do something that made me happy versus something that made me money. Um, I took more than a 50% pay cut in order to do that. And although I am happier, I definitely had to, there was like, it was like a year for me to readjust everything. You know, like it's simple stuff too, like having to buy different food or going out to eat less or actually food was probably the biggest thing. Um, for me anyway, um, just because I, I had to be much more careful about how and where I spent money. So I couldn't just randomly go, Hey, let's go have a $150 dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go back to like looking and going, okay, this is, this is how much, uh, exactly. okay, probably, not, probably not valuable for me enough for me to spend $20 right now. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the reasons I love the bank that I use that simple. 
Because when I allocate stuff to bills and stuff like that, it removes it from my my balance. Sure. So I'll ha- I have what they call a, a safe to spend balance, and safe to spend balance is the money that's not allocated to some excuse me to something else. Mm-hmm. So anytime I'm in a situation like that, I can just pop up the widget. You know, it'll be like uh, eight hundred dollars safe to spend. Okay, I have plenty of money. I can buy food right now. For yeah. A, Unnecessary food that is. I'm sure. not that impoverished, but <laughs> unnecessary food. Oh, well, you know, unnecessary food is like ice cream. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Boba tea, lamb, boba tea. I know, I know. Unnecessary food. <laughs> it's funny because I have I have tears of sacrifice and um like boba is definitely one of those things that's on that list. Like if I'm not if if financially I'm having a tougher time, then I always sacrifice boba first. Um, and there's tiers, like that's like tier one. And then there's tier two, tier three, like coffee is like tier four. And then tier five is like basic food. Like I have to eat something. That is one of the few places where I happen to be very lucky with having removed so many vices from my life Mm -hmm. that my, my income or my, my spending is so much more secure now Mm -hmm. in the sense, you know, like cigarettes, it used to be $5 a day at least, right? Well, sure. at a certain point, it got up to like $8 a day. Probably what it is now or 10 Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So 5 to $10 a day. Uh, coffee, 5 to $7 a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else was there? Alcohol. Oh, mm-hmm. alcohol is a big one. Yeah, that would be like uh, $200 a week sometimes. Oh, yeah, I mean, without breaking a sweat. I mean, it's, yeah. it's easy to spend that on alcohol, actually. Not not counting the wrecking crew days when it was oh, far far God. more. Jesus, I was just thinking about that the other day. Like considering how much more. Like that's when I was still working in tech. You know what I mean? Like I was I was wrecking crew back then. Um, and God, I would spend. I mean, I remember there was a month where I probably spent like two thousand dollars on alcohol. It was ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sad when you think about it. You know, like you're like now you're going hmm. How am I going to buy this thing that, you know, like, oh, I need to fix this thing on my computer. I can't pay for that like I was there. What podcast I was listening to is probably what I should say. But they talked about heart rate variability. You know what heart rate variability is, Lim? I have no idea. So we talk about our heart rate, you know, like, oh, it's at 97. Anybody that has an Apple Watch that has sat and watched their heart rate on the Apple Watch for more than a minute notices that it moves around a lot. It's like 97, sure. 98, 101, 96. It just keeps moving. That's heart rate variability because our heart rate is variable. Uh, uh, sorry, drinking water again. You, that's twice in a row. <laughs> You've got me with water in my mouth. Yeah, I seem to get, but I, I seem to be doing that a lot more. Like my timing on that's really good I, or, or really bad, depending on how you look at it. We're losing our rhythm. We're losing our rhythm. Well, I feel like it's because you're establishing rhythms with so many different people um, that that now, like your your cadences from person to person, like they take a little bit to to adjust to. You know what I mean? Which is about right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I believe it. Oh man, I'm looking through the Instagram and I'm like, there's so many things in here that I haven't talked about, but I don't really want to talk about any of them. So tell me, tell me what it was like to do an interview again. I was a little nervous, to be honest, because I thought yeah. it was going to be rusty. Sure. Um, but we got, we got lucky in the sense that um, her having been in a, metal, in a black metal band and me having just read a book about the history of black metal, mm-hmm. plus, you know, back in the day, me listening to all of that music as well. We got to start there and I think it just broke the conversation in for both of us. Yeah. And then it was smooth sailing from there. And I think that, you know, along the theme of getting better at stuff, when it comes to interviews, I think that that's like tantamount for my style is to find that one foothold and then I'm fine after that one foothold. I just need that beginning foothold. Yeah, sure. And, you know, like everybody has different... We've we talked in the past about uh, Cal Newport. Everybody has like a different style of how to get a conversation rolling. And mm-hmm. to me, mine is get that first foothold. Have that one thing that breaks the person into, and myself as well, into a conversation and out mm-hmm. of an interview format. Yeah. If I can find a topic that the person is passionate about or that they want to talk about, 
then once they start talking, they'll do like what we talk about a lot, where we forget we're recording. Uh, yep. If you can get them into that place, then you're good for the next two hours. Man, I don't even care that we're recording anymore. I don't even oh, think, don't about, think it. about it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think about it at all. When you, yeah, especially like this is my third episode. Well, actually, technically my fourth episode recorded this week. So I literally don't even think about it at all anymore. Mm. It's, it's like a phone call for me. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Um, by the way, speaking of fourth episodes, I recorded. Um, we, I guess we could go to that when we go to challenge. We'll get back to that. Never mind. Stick around for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. What I was about to say. <laughs> oh, the mood is so weird in the morning. Such yeah, a, and I can see mine. It's been in, it's been going up. I'm still only at like 23 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't because of the shoulder thing. I haven't been boxing. Once I go back to boxing, it's going to shoot up even more. Because I do interval training with the boxing, sure, and that also increases heart rate variability. And so you don't want to 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 recap the week because you don't have the ability to recap the day yet. You know? Yeah, I think yeah, mornings are less less introspective. They're more yeah, sure. kind of like uh, analytical almost. Outrospective? That's not even a word. I like it though. That should be a word. Outrospective. We shall define it today. Use this word henceforth. Henceforth, henceforth. I like uh, that was, word. Uh, in reading the Secret Garden, mm-hmm. um, Mary, God, her name is so. Her name's not Mary. Frances Hodgson Burnett. Hard name to remember for some reason for me. Yeah. Um, the Frances Hodgson Burnett book. And she talks about uh, how, like, the servant people speak Yorkshire. Mm. And what's really strange about it, I, I think the book was written in the 1800s, early 1800s, like 1818 or something like that. Um, watch, I'll be off by 100 years. <laughs> like, actually, Chad, it was 1911. Oops. Uh, well, like you used to be fond of saying, we're not an informational show. Yes, don't take anything to be truth. Uh, but anyways, she talked about Yorkshire. And the way that the you know I was listening to the audio book I told you before Karen Gillian's reading it, and hearing her voice when they do the Yorkshire is really weird because it sounds I don't, it's obviously not modern Yorkshire, but it was modern Yorkshire when the book was written. Mm-hmm. It sounds like um not Shakespearean but almost almost like Thor in the comics, mm-hmm. not in the movies because he talks like a normal dude. But you remember in the comics, he would use a lot of thou's and these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And his, you know, was always written in script instead of, you know, comic sans like every other character. Yep. That's how the Yorkshires talked. Like, get thee down. Like, whoa. Did they really talk? I assume they really talked like that then. Mm, that's, that is really strange. But that it was... So when we, as Americans, when we when we make jokes about like henceforth and thee thou, it's always snooty and upper class. Mm-hmm. But for them, the these and the thous of the Yorkshire was mm-hmm. lower class. Oh, weird. So like the language had moved beyond that, but yeah. these people were still speaking archaic. Mm. That's interesting, right? Yeah, that is really weird. It'd I would be like guess that. How did you know, find this? Out? How did you find this out? By the way, just by reading the book. Uh, okay. You know, you just put it together where it's, you know, like, okay, well, the the rich people, the educated rich people in this book aren't mm-hmm. using these and nows. Sure. But the poor people are. So that means that they, they're getting it from, I would, what I would guess is Church. they, yes, exactly. They're getting mm-hmm. it from the Bible. Yep. And whereas the educated people are reading other books. Sure. And the poorer people are only getting, probably not even reading the Bible. They're hearing the Bible read to them. mm in you know in their church, so that's what their concept of language is, and obviously, given that the church had a different value to people at the time, people would probably i don't know well yeah use England, it more England had a very peculiar relationship with churches in general mm-hmm. so I think the, the, there's there's definitely you know like towns were built around churches, but I don't know how to explain the difference. Like Catholic countries, like the religion would kind of like permeate everything. But then in England, like mm-hmm. the Church of England, it was very different. Like the, the churches would build, you know, you'd build a parsonage around a church. 
And that was something new. Everybody went to church, but it wasn't like this permeated thing. Like they didn't talk about religion a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very separated. And it probably, had, you know, it makes sense. You know, you had this king who kicked out the church and created his own. So there was probably always this separation because of that. Sure, but it wasn't really a separation of church and state. It was a separation of church and church. Yeah, no, yeah. It's definitely the opposite of a separation of church and state. No, I mean a separation between the people and their oh, religion. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. The or disconnect between the two. Yeah, that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, their religion was it was a little bit separated from them. In mm-hmm. the, that, Like I said, it didn't permeate everything. You know, they would use the these and nows in the book, but there's very... Uh, I don't think there's one reference to religion once in the book. Mm. So it's very, I mean, all, all this is speculation, but this is just kind of what, what seems to be when I'm reading the book. But it's, it's always fascinating to catch on to those little things where you're like, hmm, what does that mean? What is, what is that lead out? Why, why, are they, why are they talking like that? Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that. Like imagine, you know, if you had a homeless person, well, I won't say a homeless person, but you have your maid. Because these are servants in the book. You have a maid that comes to your house and they're talking like George Washington. You know, they're, they're using the language that, that they used in 1776. Yeah. That would be strange, right? It's also really weird that the American accent developed so fast, actually, now that I think about it that way. Yeah. I've, you know, I mean, the American the American accent, as we understand it, is actually a relatively new thing in, in the scope of human history. Well, yeah, you had the influence of the French. And I think the French were a huge a huge influence in, in switching that in America. Mm-hmm. But then it, it's there was there's still some connection in the East Coast accent. Mm-hmm. The East Coast accent in some way is a derivative of that. Because they used to have, I can't remember what it's called. I want to say trans, trans, transatlanticism. There's, there's a, I'm going to Google that. There were, there's a name for the language that they used to use in old movies. Mm-hmm. Sounded vaguely English. And I, I want to say it's transatlanticism. It's, it's a word that nobody wants to say. Transatlanticism. Um, I can't Google it right now. It's just too much. I don't have to well, even it. even beyond that, the West Coast accent is actually remarkably new. Right. That's the the weird space of traveling across the country and being removed from that because you know technically the West was uneducated, mm-hmm. so they were speaking probably terrible English. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, if we're looking at it from that context, then most of our most of our version of the language comes from cowboys. Yeah, which I don't even know where the hell that comes from. Uh, being stuck in the middle of nowhere by yourself, trying to survive for it's definitely know. not connected to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it is a little bit. Maybe, but I, I can't really see the the connection. Um, well, because either- I, I think about where the drawl, the Southern drawl comes from, you know what I mean? Like, and, and how that, because that, that inherently became the Western version um, of cowboy language. I mean, that's, that's probably what it's most akin to anyway. And so, so the version that I speak now, I mean, I have plenty of friends from ta- Texas. So when I talk to them, it's, it's, it sounds almost like a different language in a weird kind of way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I found it. Mm. The Mid-Atlantic accent or Transatlantic accent is an accent of English blending together prestigious American and British English ways of speaking adopted in the early 20th century, mostly by American aristocrats and actors. It is a non-native vernacular or regional American accent. Instead, according to voice and drama professor Dudley Knight, it is an affected speech set of speech patterns whose chief quality was that no American actually spoke it unless educated to do so. Oh, weird. So like if you went to highfalutin schools in Boston, Mm -hmm. Connecticut, probably Connecticut more than Boston, they would teach you this. I do like that you use the word highfalutin though. Highfalutin. Highfalutin. That's a cowboy word. Them highfalutin people from New York. Yahoos. I think the... I, I was introduced to this concept in watching the Natalie Portman masterclass 
when she was breaking down the accent that she used in the Jackie Kennedy biopic. Mm-hmm. I always feel weird every time I say biopic, like I'm saying the wrong word. Biopic, biopic. You're mm. biopic. Biopic. Yeah. So basically, the transatlantic accent. No, that's that's not it. Yeah, I don't know what well, that was. It was. It's 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 hard to do because it's you got to go back and watch old movies because it's like it's like an amalgam. There's a lot of all oh, all oh, like the English alls on vowels, but then it's it's almost. Um, yeah, I don't know how to. We need to, we need to find it. a good example of it and share it on the Instagram or something because I don't even know what the hell you're talking about now, and I I'm a big accent guy. Yeah, let me see. Hold on. We will make it happen right now, live on the show. How's that? Beep, boop, boop, beep. We're gonna use the, the the Google machine. Fuck Google. No, I <laughs> try to trick me there. <laughs> I almost had you. No, I didn't. You you immediately reacted well to that. All right. Let's see if people can hear this. Hmm. Well, is she going to use it or is she just going to talk about it? Uh, I don't like that. That pisses me off. Mm, I should have vetted it. Oh, Catherine Hepburn is a perfect example. Mm. Hopefully we don't get any copyright dings for what I'm about to do. Yep. Well, there goes that idea. Okay. I suppose you'll still be attracted to any man of spirit, though. Oh, now I kind of know what you're talking about. Wait for her. Wait for her. Really? Really. We're very vain, you know. This citadel can and shall be taken, and I'm the boy to do it. You seem quite contemptuous of me all of a sudden. Yeah, that rally. Rally. That's a perfect example of it. And now now I totally know what you're talking about. Yes. We haven't done that before on the show. Yep. It may we may be able to have a, an episode about what it's like to get a copyright ding. Bing. Huh. I doubt it. There's not enough people listening to this. Yeah, I was gonna say someone would have to be paying attention in uh, whatever that. I really doubt it, Chad. Yes, that's it right there. You know, there's that. no way anyone's gonna copyright ding us because nobody cares. Quick, 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 quick! Hit the button. Yeah, there was the you know the, there was like the reporter talk too, right? Which was a little bit faster, but like, let's get going. This week on the show, Random Madassery. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I now know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's Mid Atlantic or Transatlantic accent. Transatlanticism. What's fascinating is I was not aware that it was non regional, which Mm. means that it is complete affectation. Jeez, that is arrogant as shit. (laughs) Which is, um, very um very american in its own way yeah i suppose it makes sense it's very defiant it's no we're not going to use it your way we're going to take what we like about yours and use it our way kind of thing well i think it's it's akin to uh in a way the way that when we do movies about greece or rome or something like that they always speak with british accents yeah i hate that I told, did I tell you that story? I got kicked out of a um, theater production of uh, Julius Caesar because I did uh, Mark Antony with a uh, like an Italianish accent. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, I was. It was did back you like in my New York Italian. Did you like? Hey, no, oh, no, hey, hey, friends, Romans, countrymen, let me yeah. fucking ears. No, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> but I, but I did it. Uh, God, I was like nineteen at the time, and I was, I was an arrogant little punk, and I was like. None of these guys should have English accents, guys. To which I'm closer to the microphone. None of these guys had English accents, guys, and and you know it, it's really weird and disingenuous. And the, I had arguments with the director, and the director was saying, "Yeah, but it's written by an English guy, so it's meant to be a stage play performed by English people for English people." So yes, they did have English accents. And so for the first night's performance, I did Mark Antony mostly with an Italian accent. And at the end of the show, he's like, "Great accent, you're fired." <laughs> <laughs> so that was short-lived and hilarious but i i still hold that to be one of like my proudest moments in theater um because i defied 
I defied the director and did what I thought was right. And in in context, it probably like listening to me versus everybody else because I didn't tell anyone I was going to do it. I went out on stage and just started doing it. And uh, the rest of the actors just looked at me like I was out of my mind. And rightfully so, I was out of my mind. Um, so yeah, um, that's, that's, that's my accent story. Well, see, the weird part to me about the British accent thing is it's fine with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, we're making Troy or um, Gladiator, right? If the person who's speaking with a British accent is British. I'm fine with that. You know why? Because I'm aware that they're not actually speaking Roman. Sure. And so they're British, they're British. But what weirds me out is when Troy is my example here. I think it was Troy. The one with, was Brad Pitt and Troy? Yeah, Brad Pitt was in Troy. Okay. Or was that Colin Farrell? I don't know. Or both. I think they're both in it. Oh no, Eric Bana. I don't know. It was a shitty movie. Anyways. Good, Good fight scene though. He fakes a British accent. Like, yeah, that's weird to me. Like, speaking I, I, American. Know, well, not only that, but his British accent isn't particularly good either. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's like a why it's like doing triple wrong on that one. Yeah. But I get why though. It's for the sake of continuity. Like everybody should have the same accent if they're from the same region, kind of thing. So I understand I that part. Are, of it, I think we could suspend our disbelief and just I, accept uh, that like this person speaks that way for a because, good movie, maybe not for a shitty one. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I just think it's stupid. I can't remember what movie it was. I'm, I might have to look this up. Um, are you aware of the actress Fiona Shaw? Uh, who is that? She plays the wicked aunt of Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was also in a wonderful Irish movie called Butcher Boy, which mm-hmm. is one of my all-time favorites. There was something that she was in. So she's Irish. And so she obviously has an Irish accent. There's something that I saw her in where she's married to an Irishman, but they make her fake a British accent. I'm like, why didn't you just make her character fucking Irish? And then she could just use her normal... Because there's nothing in the plot that made it important that she was British. Mm. And I think that that's just really bad direction when you have that. It's, okay, I want this character to be English. Why? What's the importance to that? If you don't have an answer to that question, then don't fucking do it. Well, do you think that's just sticking with some kind of convention that's, you know, like the the idea of everyone having the same accent to maintain like a, a world continuity in that? But they didn't have the same accent. The husband was Irish and spoke with an Irish accent and the character was oh, decidedly oh, 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 Irish. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that makes no sense. So they could have literally rewritten her character to be Irish and then she could have just used her normal accent. But instead, they kept the character, or I shouldn't say kept, um, unless it had like source material. But even if it had source material, interpret. Yeah, sure. Because if I can't see it in the script, why she's English, then there's no, absolutely no reason for it. Yeah, it seems like an odd creative choice. Yeah, I can't remember for the life of me what it was. I'm I'm looking through the list of things, but none of them are clicking. Mm. But yeah, it was very strange. I was watching it, and I'm like, this... It's just, it sounds stupid. Sure. Especially since she's a, especially over, as they say, across the pond, she's a really well known actress. Yeah. So everybody's very aware of the fact that she's Irish. Sure. Hmm. They do weird shit. Oh, maybe it was, was it Tree of Life? No, no, it wasn't Tree of Life. That was a, barely a plot in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? The Terrence Malick film, Tree of Life? Ah. Uh. It's like 40 I didn't, minutes of watching I didn't, volcanoes. I didn't make it through that movie. I was told that it was wonderful, so I went and I watched it. And there were parts, definitely beautiful parts, but I was really bored. I am going to say this. He's like a Lars Venture to me. And don't get me wrong. He, Lars Venture has produced fantastic work. Don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't go that far. Lars Venture is garbage. He's, he's produced decent work, but he's vastly overrated. Um, and I feel like Terrence Malick is the same for me. He's just overrated, man. I think he's a decent director. I don't think he's... I think he's an elitist shithead, but, you know... Um, I mean, that's unfair. Maybe he's a cool guy. I don't know anything about him. Um, but the movies are definitely pretentious beyond a point that I can tolerate. Badlands was pretty incredible. I don't know if yeah. you ever saw that. Yeah, I mean, that was Thin pretty Red good. Line was not that good. Thin Red, Line, Thin Red Line was so obnoxious to me. But so yeah, obnoxious. I think his first, technically his first two films, Badlands and Days of Heaven, mm-hmm. those are both fantastic films. 
after that, mm, there's a lot that I haven't seen. So well, I there's, really that say. was before people told him he was awesome. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it was 70s cinema, and 70s cinema was hot shit. Yep. There was some fantastic shit going on in the 70s in cinema. Yeah. Especially in America. I agree. That was our time. Oh, the good old days before we remade everything and people had original ideas and had the courage to write them. And then people had the courage to put money into them and produce them, even though they were edgy. Uh, it goes, it goes in waves. I, it goes in waves. I think it'll be back. I think, art, I think art works that way. We're in a trough, but it'll be back. I, the audience will have to forgive me for using this word, but uh, we're in pussy cinema phase. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, we're in money-making phase. Literally. And that's yeah. why they remake everything, because it's a safe bet. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or sequels of sequels of sequels, like the new Shaft movie. I don't. I just don't understand why, that one. Why even? Like, the first one fucking sucked. Why would you do another one? <laughs> I actually didn't hate the first one. I thought it was terrible, but... I mean, I didn't think it was the worst movie. I didn't think it was the best movie ever, but I didn't think it was garbage either. Um, it wasn't the way some of the remakes have been. Warrant a remake. I mean, a... Uh, a sequel. Yeah, sure. But you're right. Cash grab. And I don't think it made that much money. So like, I don't even understand why. I don't even, yeah, Well, I that mean. one might literally be a pet project of somebody. Like Samuel Jackson just might really want to be Shaft again. You know That's what I mean? true. That's true. Those old Shaft movies were the best though. Just the best super, and the worst. Super the exploitative. <laughs> they were just so unique. Yeah, it's just I mean, a different. It was a different time, man. Well, there was no such thing as like black cinema then. Yeah, sure. So, like that was even though you know we call it exploitation or whatever, because you know like everybody was a pimp or a hoe. Um, the thing about it was, <laughs> you weren't really going to see black characters anywhere else unless there were slaves in like some Civil War remake. You know, the fifth time that we yeah sure made a movie about the fiftieth time we made a movie about the fucking Civil War. But there wasn't, you know, there wasn't that much, you know, we have all of these people like, uh, what's the Peel, um, Jordan Peel, is it Jordan Peel? No. Um, is it, I think it is Jordan Peel. You have him, you have, uh, what's, what's the guy that makes all of those Medea movies? Uh, oh my God, what's his Tyler name? Tyler Perry. There we Tyler go. Tyler Perry, there you go. So you have all of these producers, directors, writers now that are African-American but back then, you didn't. Yeah, that's true. You didn't have, or, you know, like in the, the 90s and early 2000s when you had all those, I'll call them hip-hop movies. You know, like where you had... Like Spike rap- Lee and... Yeah. Well, you had, no, I mean, uh, rappers putting money into movies. You know, Oh, like yeah, a, yeah, 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 sure. You know, where it's just a vehicle for the rapper. Yeah. You know, like, here's a movie with uh, 50 Cent. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a movie with Ice Cube. Sure. Um, it, it just vehicles for the, for the fame. Um, barbershop, right? Mm-hmm. Things, things like that. Friday, which not I'm not saying these movies are good or bad. Some of them are good. Some of them are awful. But that was really like the first real push for black cinema. Mm-hmm. And at, at uh, least on that level, yeah. When black, that, cinema, when black cinema, black directors and black actors became normalized. Yeah, before that, all you had was exploitation. That's all you had. So all you had was Shaft. All you had was Foxy Brown. Mm-hmm. That's all you had. Sure. So I, I, I can imagine why even those, those movies are terrible, that they play an important role, mm-hmm. especially if you're an African-American, uh, especially at that time. Like, yeah. hey, here's the hero is a black guy. Yeah, and he looks like you. Holy shit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and he's not like some, you know, like, uh, like I said, the, the, if, if a black character was a hero before, he was an escaped slave or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm. here's a guy, a modern guy. That's the hero. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So I can understand like somebody like Samuel L. Jackson going, yeah, we're going to do Shaft. Why? Just because Shaft is historically important. Sure. And even though like the movies aren't great, it's important to him or something like that. I could see that. Well, I, I think to the, the, at least in the, the, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't speak that, con- that, that, competently about it but um there was plenty of stuff that i saw about how modern safetyism and stuff like that was starting to enter the equation and how different it was to the different generations of shaft and i think that's part of the reason why this one 
I mean, sure, it's a cash grab, and and sure, that's probably the biggest motivator. But there, but all three generations of shafts are in this one, and that wasn't the case with the first one um, that Samuel Jackson was in. It was just primarily him, and then the actor that played Shaft. God, I forget his name. I feel really bad about that. Um, um, it's it's the same guy that played Hightower, isn't it? Yeah, Richard. Um, no, 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 no. Sorry, um, it's Richard Roundtree. Oh, Roundtree. That's right. Um, but in this one, he plays a much more prominent role. So all three generations of shafts are... Who's the third are, generation? His son's in this one. Whose son? Uh, Samuel Jackson's character's son is in this one. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So there's a third generation of shaft and you know he's very considerate of women. He's you know uh, more socially liberated in that sense, uh, more quote-unquote woke, even though I hate that term with a passion. That's a stupid um, term. It's infuriating on many levels, but um, the, his characters in there, and obviously the 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 understanding that the other shafts have about you know gender roles and all that kind of stuff is vastly different because there's such a ge- huge generational gaps between each one. So that actually makes the story interesting to me, um, just to see how they all see it differently, um, and they they play on that a little bit throughout the course of the movie too as well. So it's it's fun in that respect. Um, so for that reason alone, I kind of want to check it out just to 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 see how they treated that. You know, it's interesting you bring up the term woke. Um, I was listening to something a couple months ago where they were talking about how the use of the the current use of the word woke mm-hmm. is uh, akin to another another example of white people stealing something from black people. Sure. Woke was specifically a term that referred to being aware of things going on within the black community. Mm-hmm. You know, problems going on, classism, racism, all yeah. these things going on. And then it was co-opted by everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I, I can imagine being pissed off like, no, 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 no. Woke, is, woke was our word. And now that's why it sounds stupid when, when other people say it now. Because it's sure. not your word. Yeah. You, you, you co-opted that word. You, Elvis Presley, the blues. Huh. What am I looking at here? Oh, my favorite word. There's my favorite word. Microaggression. Mm-hmm. I love that word. Oh God, I hate that word. Speaking of stupid words, ah, it speaks mm. to so much of what I don't like about the current progressive landscape, and I and I consider myself to be a progressive. So I mean, speaking of that, I want to go. When you said safetyism, I didn't really connect what you meant when you were saying safetyism and shaft. I didn't connect to what you meant there. What do you mean? Where, where did you? Where was the connection to safetyism? You said. There wasn't safetyism when they did this, the first movie or the second movie. What did? Well, there wasn't. There wasn't really a safe space the same way that there is now. Um, oh God, I don't even know how to define this properly. You know, like people could just say shit. It's like how you can't say things as a comedian these days. Mm. Like how, how I, how I, for example, you mean political correctness. Yeah, political correctness essentially. Like how I'm even afraid to say these things out loud as a liberal because I feel like. I, the purity police will come after me. You know Fuck what I mean? Fuck the purity police. Let them come after me. I know. I know. But I live in a different world than you do. <laughs> well, I do and I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like I, I could get in more trouble uh, quicker than you can, I guess, is the better way for me to put it. God, I hope we outgrow this phase soon. We're fucking... Really, this oversensitivity is it's fucking so, ridiculous. Dude, it's so exhausting. And considering the, the political circles that I have to run in, um, it, it's something that I have to be so mindful of and it's absolutely exhausting because A, I didn't grow up that way and B, I don't care to adapt to that because I think it's inherently bullshit. Well, I think I, I, my personal opinion is regardless of times and things like that, it's important for everybody to grow a thick skin. Absolutely. I agree. Because not because it's of social acceptability, not because of anything to do with society, but because that's how you grow to be a better person is by growing a thick skin and taking things people say for the best instead of for the worst. Sure. Absolutely. I because agree. when you... When you take things that people say for the worst, guess what you are? Our favorite word on this show. You're an asshole. Yeah. And, you know, like if, if I came into the conversation with you and everything you said, I was like, what do you mean by that, Lamb? I'd be uh, a fucking asshole. Yeah, you'd be a dickhead, sure. And we wouldn't and even be, be doing the worst this podcast. There's, there's no way. I would. We should try an episode like that just to see how horrifying it is. Oh, let's do it for five minutes right now. Ready? It's wait, wait, wait. Before before you do that, hold on. The guy who's working on the hardwood just knocked on the door. Give me a second. 
That asshole. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what do you mean, Chad? <laughs> waiting, waiting, waiting for the sun. Dude, do we have to do that experiment? Why? Yeah, is it gonna stress you out? <laughs> well, I'm just surrounded by that all the time. What do you I mean, mean by that, Lamb? <laughs> am I stressing you out, Chad? Am I triggering you? Are you saying that liberal democracy is stressful? Mm. Are you saying that politics are something that that you can just throw away at a moment's notice? <laughs> Oh my God! See, it's like, yeah. It's, it's not five minutes is too long. I, I want. I kind of want to throw up already. <laughs> Ugh, I am throwing up. And, hey, for everybody listening, we can also do the other side of the equation, which is being complete racist, ignorant, uh, sexist, inconsiderate assholes as well. And neither of those are pretty. Sure. We like the middle. We like to be in the middle. A little bit, a well, little bit pushing can, the boundaries of each side, right? You, you know, know what I, mean? I, you know what I like? Common sense. That's just what common I mean. sense. I don't the even care. Path. Yeah, I don't even care about it being extreme. I just want common fucking sense. That's you know, like uh, I like to to think of it like a ping pong ball, or mm-hmm. you know, a little rubber ball that you bounce between two walls. Boom, 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 boom. It bounces back. To me, the extremes are on the other side of the wall. Yeah. That you bounce against the wall just to remember where the wall is. Where every once in a while you say something like I said, where, where I use the word pussy just to see what would happen. Yeah. And then I get a little Pure, feedback. Purely as an experiment. Yeah. It's, it's, you know what? I didn't say that to offend anyone. I even apologized before I said it. Anybody that takes offense to that, fuck them. You know, like, too bad. Yeah, sure. And the, the thing is, it's in the middle, is, is intent is important. Outside the walls... In the extremes, in the fringes, intent mm-hmm. means nothing. Sure. And I don't want to live in a world where intent means nothing. No, I, I, want, to, I want to live in a world where, where words have the consequence they're supposed to have. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing for me is just not, not being able to, to use my words anymore. I know that sounds odd, but that's, that's what I feel like these days. Well, it's, it's kind of like, think about, um, remember, was it 16 Candles? Was that the one... That I'm thinking, uh, I might be confusing two foreign exchange students. Uh, well, yeah, I am. I can't remember. It's not Long Duck Dong that I was thinking of. Which, by the way, you would have so much trouble getting away with a character called Long Duck Dong in a movie now. There's no way that would exist these days. Um, and there's a and there's a shame in that. Yeah, because he was actually a great character. Yeah, it was hilarious. He wasn't and, like and a he was, Asian stereotype. Well, he was the proper kind of exploitative in the sense that it was pointing out something. Um, I don't know. I, 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 feel, I feel very specific about Long Duck Dong. I know that's the, one of the weirder sentences I've said on the show. Um, <laughs> but, but I definitely feel like a, a character like him no longer has room to exist in the modern landscape. And that's really, that's really shitty. It is shitty because he, I mean, I can understand like, hey, if you, especially if you're Chinese, having a problem with a character like Mr. Chow, mm-hmm. big buck teeth, um, Mr. Chow, Mr. Chow, you're like horrible accent, mm-hmm. like sl- the most slanted eyes you could. Have. I would be totally offended if I was Chinese by that. Sure, and that's yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, yeah, you're offended by that. You should be because that's fucking that is racist. That's straight up racist. Yeah, but Long Duck Dong is not. No, Long I mean, Duck it's a- Dong is just a foreign exchange student, and the humor of the of the movie around him is the fact that he doesn't speak English. Not that mm-hmm. he's Asian. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I feel like there's still a place in the world for for social commentary in such a way that, like, like for example, we've talked about this both in person and in private many, many times. Um, like how how Mel Brooks movies could not be made these days because people don't have a big, a, a comprehensive enough sense of fucking humor to be able to accept that those things are fucking jokes and they are meant to point out a social wrong. Right. Yeah. We have we have problems with emotional complexity. Ugh, it's so obnoxious because that's, I mean, what, what is the great equalizer when it comes to that kind of stuff, right? It's got to be comedy. We have to be able to laugh about this stuff so we can look at it in such a way that, that, that is comprehensive. Well, comedy, you know, like, yeah, there's comedy no, there's, is what breaks the surface. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's what cracks the ice so that you can get to the shit underneath it. You know, if, if, if it wasn't for comedy, we would never, you know, if we had to go straight into serious conversation about everything. Mm-hmm things will be worse than they are now. 
Well, which is why, by the way, I have this weird faith in in Coming to America being a decent movie, the new one, the Coming to America two, because I want I want someone, Eddie Murphy being the guy in this case, to be brave enough to go. You know what, dude? Fuck that shit. I am going to poke at all of this stuff from the lens of of comedy in such a way that that I can get a complete feel of it. You know what I mean? Well, he kind of has to. In- just that's the point. That's, that's the whole fucking to. point. Exactly. He, he's doing a bad African accent, and and that's the main character. And you can't really do a sequel to that movie without the character doing the bad African accent. That is correct. And I can't. And I can't wait for that to be. I, I don't know. I just there's a part of me that has a lot of faith that that's going to be actually a really good movie with some really in, important and intelligent themes to it. Well, anybody that has is familiar with Eddie Murphy's stand-up knows that coming to America essentially comes mm-hmm. out of a joke that you probably couldn't tell anymore. Yep. Goona goo goo, Gus. Remember that? Oh, it's yeah. like, I want a zebra riding bitch. You know, like that was the joke. Mm-hmm. That's where it came from. Yep, absolutely. You know, obviously Eddie Murphy pushed some boundaries that I don't necessarily agree with. Some of his comedy was pretty homophobic. Mm-hmm. But at the time, nobody cared. Yeah. Doesn't mean it was okay, but at the time, nobody gave a shit. Yeah, the world changes. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely think that there are things that you you shouldn't joke about the way that you did. But I still, I still almost, I almost don't agree with that for myself. Yeah, it's a, you know it's I mean? a weird thing to judge the past. And I, I try not to ever judge the past because, you know, other than, you know, like slavery, the Holocaust, things like that, I can judge those things. Like, yeah, awful. Sure. That's, Always will be. That will perpetually be shitty, sure. But judging language and and comedy of the past, nope, not going to do it. Yep, can't do it. No way. Um, the reason I brought up Long Duck Dong, though, is I was, I was confusing. I was conflating two things together. Mm-hmm. Um, not conflating. I was melding two things together. There's another movie, which I have no idea what it is right now, where there's a German, I think, German exchange student, and they teach him... English, but they only teach him to say like awful things, um, hmm. like "you're a bitch" or uh, you know, I can't remember. It's like a lot of like uh, lewd stuff to women, you know, like "come sure. sit on my lap" and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, but the reason I bring that up is that's an example of where a very clear example where people should be able to see intent. This guy is saying awful words. We'll sure. say they're worse. Say say you had a foreign exchange student and you taught him to say the n word. Mm-hmm. You taught him to every racial epithet. You just—that's all you taught him. So he was walking around saying those things. Is he a bad person? No, he has no context. Exactly. He his intent is to speak English. Yeah. And someone told him that was English, and technically, yes, it is English. Sure. Uh, but his intent is not to be racist. So the words don't matter. The intent do, or the yeah. intent does. That's actually a fantastic analogy. And I really think it's that clear in every case. You know, the only time it gets more gray is where the intent is gray. Like, maybe, yeah, your intent was that, but maybe just a little bit of this too. Sure. Um, here's a great, a great story that I don't know. Hopefully I haven't told this on a show before. I'm not sure. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be... I said you know, fuck the, the polite police or whatever. I'm going to push the boundaries right now because I'm going to use a word that I don't like to use, but mm-hmm. I have to use it in order to tell this story. I am not a racist. I don't like using this word, but I'm going, oh, to, no. I'm going to use the <laughs> N-word in this story. Oh, no. Because I have to, because otherwise the story does not make sense. And you will understand why I am repeating the words of someone else. These are not my words. So... I had a friend who was from Sudan. He's a, he was about 5'4", five, 5'4", four, five, four little black man. He was a firecracker. He was hilarious. His name was Tayeb. Just a fantastic human being. One of the happiest people you could ever meet. Sidebar, unfortunately, he had this... He was very smart. Very, very smart. He had this huge education in Sudan. But when he came over here, none of it meant anything. So he was stuck driving a taxi. Sucks. Very Mm. educated man. But he was just so much fun to be around. And we used to go to the city. Um, Him, me, and two other friends. They were uh, two other Armenian friends. And the three of us would go. There was a Middle Eastern restaurant in in the Haight-Ashbury area. 
And we would go there and we would just eat dinner. But then at like eight or nine o'clock, they would stop serving the food basically. And then they would start playing music and people would dance. And the, our two Armenian friends were learning to play the hand drums, the tablas. So they would bring those and they would play the music along with the, you know, the music that's playing over the system. And people would dance and it was just so much fun. And um, so, but we would go all the way to the city, San Francisco, for people listening from San Jose is about an hour. So we drive all the way up there. Well, on the way back one time, we stopped in, I have no idea where, but we stopped in at a 7 Eleven to get cigarettes. And we were in like a predominantly black neighborhood. And the reason I knew this is we went in 7 Eleven and I was the only white person in the 7 Eleven. <laughs> and you know, it's not a big deal, whatever. Sure. Um, but I'm in there with Taeb, this you know, five, five, four <laughs> little man, and he has a strong accent. And he looks over at me, and here's where the word comes in. He goes, Chad, you are my nigger. And I was and I looked around. There's like I said, I'm the only white person in there. And I'm like, shut up. Do not say that word. And he's like, why? I said, somebody's going to hear you. Fuck them. And I said, no, don't say it because they're going to think you have an accent. They're going to think I taught you that word. Uh, and that's an example of intent. Uh, yeah, sure. He knew what he, he was using it in the, in the, in the, like the hip hop sense. Yeah. Like, sure. You are my, you're my homie. Yeah. You no. Know? Sure. But in that context, if someone thought I taught him that word, now it's the racist version of that word. Sure. So never thought mm. I'd use that word in a podcast. Well, but you can understand why. Yeah, totally. That makes sense, actually. The story wouldn't make sense without it, right? Because yeah, 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 it, yeah. it hinges on that word. Sure. Yeah. Pushing boundaries. Pushing boundaries. Jeez. Yeah, you're so right, though. I mean, it, it, I, I do like the analogy, though. I mean, ultimately, I mean, what, something that, that is kind of a weird recurring theme on this show. The searching becomes difficult because then yeah, you go, know, okay. It feels tedious, yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the reason I started with Devin Think, though, is because Devin Think has that AI where it understands what the words in the, in the note are about. So if you search for something that's not exactly words and notes, but they are words that they think are related... Mm-hmm. In another note, um, using aliens example again, if I say extraterrestrial, the AI can understand that I'm talking about aliens. Mm. It's going to bring up notes that have the word extra, extraterrestrial in it. So I thought that would be a really great feature. And then that's what Tom and I talked about. He's like, well, maybe that's making it too easy for you. Mm. And you know, you're relying on the machine to find those things for you. And I, I, I came to, to agree with him in the sense that maybe I need to be able to have to search alien, aliens, UFO. And in through, through that process of doing those searches individually, I might find some happy accidents, mm. which may enhance. Um, so then the next thing I started playing around about that, not only do I not have time to think about it, I don't care enough to think about that because it's not important to what I'm trying to write. It's, it's so intent, nuanced, these things that we've talked about so many times before, they're so important and we need to focus on those because that's where humanity exists mm-hmm. within, within the realms of intent. In the space between, and yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think what that's makes a, us not animals. Well, I think that's that, that the core of what you were talking or what we, we mentioned earlier, tongue-in-cheekish, but I mean, obviously, I feel like there's an importance to it is that there is a space between. And I feel like you... Yeah, I thought about that where it's like, oh, that's so cool. Or it's like, yeah, you could be kind of a shitty artist, but if what you're doing is funny or like the story's good, that's all that matters. Whereas you could draw amazing, but if the characters aren't doing anything fucking interesting, who gives a shit? Well, I think there's there's definitely you don't realize that quickly. Um, I remember when I first started reading comic books, it was always about the artists, you know, like guys like Jim Lee, um, who who had such a, a different twist on, on what I thought um, comic book art should have been. Um, you know, and then you get into other artists as you go, you know, guys like Todd McFarlane and stuff like that. But at some point, um, like I, I, it completely, I think as I grew older, um, I started to really value the story so much more that I started, you know, when I started reading the, the Dark Horse stuff or Sandman, the stories became so much more important. I didn't even care about the art anymore. Speaking of Sandman, he didn't use the same artist for that whole thing. 
So sometimes like there would be sections of the, you know, uh, story arcs where I'm like, oh, I really like this artist. But then I get to the next section and be like, nah, not really crazy about the way this one looks. I'd still read it. Mm, yeah, sure. Because it didn't matter. It's not like it was ever, let's, let's be honest. So it's not like the art was ever bad. Just some were more my style and some were less my style. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there are, there are comic books is such a great example. There are some artists that, like I love the way that they draw characters, mm-hmm. but their stories aren't that good. So I would rather just have like a picture instead of read their comic, you know, like, oh, I just want that one. There's a lot of, there were a lot of artists that did stuff in the X Men universe. 